When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Belly of Sports Network. I am Jason Bailey. I am your host, your guide, your emissary into college football. After a trash slate in week three, I'm with Eric Mulhair as always. Eric, what's going on, man? Did you catch some baseball? Did you cut the grass? Did you find some other shit to do this weekend other than sit on your ass? No, I mostly sat on my ass. It's... uh... (laughs) That's fair. That's yeah. Fair. I, I was underwhelmed with the week three slate. We both were. We talked about that last week. There were some yeah. games that ended up being uh, a little more interesting than I would have thought going in, but it was still on balance. It still wasn't very good. And I'm, I'm glad we have a much more exciting week coming up, it looks like. No doubt. No doubt. And <laughs> if I were to rank this past weekend – on the list of all-time bad beats. Uh, Up there. I, I would say that this week has probably got to be numero uno for you. Would I be? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it is a unanimous number one. It got all 66 <laughs> first-place votes. Man, just uh, just one punch in the nuts after the other for you this weekend, man. And, and none of them were bad bets. Like, I don't think anybody would really like fault your, uh, your logic there. And especially given that how some of the games went like Florida state, for instance, letting Boston college hang around, which we'll talk about. And some of the others, you know, uh, these big lines that I took, you know, where they, Teams were getting their ass kicked by these teams that were 27 and a half point dogs for a half, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would have like, you know, screwed you over or said you're terrible for your logic there, but man, take it, run us through it, dude, because we're, we'll talk about some of the stuff that we have that's breaking in week three in just a minute uh, to include Mel Tucker being let go mm-hmm. from Michigan state. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the results that we saw where we did not have picks. but So we'll, we'll get into all that. But before we get there, let's run through the bets for the weekend. I believe I went two and four. Uh, how'd you do? Yeah, you did go two and four. I went two and three, and it could have easily been five and oh. Let me explain. Oh, boy. My two hits were Central Michigan plus 34 and a half at Notre Dame, and that covered pretty easily. Notre Dame wins 41 to 17 went kind of like how I hoped these other games would go. Um, got a lead and just grounded out. Um, yeah. Notre Dame, same old Notre Dame. I don't think there, there's really much to take away from that game other than they dominated. No, no we, we learned nothing about Notre Dame uh, yeah. watching that. But So that was one of my two wins. My other was Washington minus 16.5 at Michigan State. That was one I briefly felt bad about, and I realized – even if the Mel Tucker stuff, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, had not happened, I still think Washington is just that much better than Michigan State, and they are. Yeah. They won forty-one to seven. Michael Penix throws for four seventy-three and four touchdowns. <laughs> Jesus Christ! The Huskies, Man, that, the Huskies outgained just... Sparty seven thirteen to two sixty-one in total yards. Oh, oh my God! And they average nine point nine yards per play, not per pass. 
not per run, just per play. Like they snapped the ball nine point nine yard average uh, versus three point four for Michigan State. So that was that's what is frustrating about weeks like this is because my two wins were just like clear, convincing. I was never in danger of losing either of those picks ever no. at any point in either of those games. Then we get to my losses. Uh, I had Western Michigan plus 28 and a half at Iowa. Iowa scores a touchdown with their backup quarterback with 30 seconds left to go ahead 41 to 10. And uh, so that's a loser. Iowa scores 27 unanswered in the second half. Brian Ferentz sticking it to you with the old backup QB with 30 seconds to go. Yeah. That's a bad, that's a bad beat. Um. Speaking of backups that screwed me with under a minute left, Georgia Tech, I took them plus 19 and a half at Old Miss. And they stayed, they bounced between one score and two score, uh, trailing by one or two mm-hmm. scores through most of the game. And you get down to a little less than two minutes left. Georgia Tech turns it over on downs. Old Miss brings in the backups. Spencer Sanders leads a, I think, a three play drive. Uh, backup running back takes it. 30 some yards to the house with 51 seconds left to make the score 48 to 23. So that was a loser. And the one, Oh God, the one that like, I'm not one of those people who like punches a TV. Like when, you know what I mean? Like I'm not that immature. Mm -hmm. This one was close to throwing something. (laughs) Watching money just evaporate. Yes. Northern Illinois at Nebraska. I was on under 43 and a half. Mm. Nebraska led 35 to three. Northern Illinois to that point in the game with three minutes left had accumulated 89 total yards of offense and they get the ball at their own 40. So you're thinking probably in pretty good shape. Nope. Backup quarterback throws a touchdown pass with four seconds left to make it 35 to nine. Uh, so I missed that under, and then just to rub my face in it a little bit, they inexplicably, for no reason that I still can comprehend, they go for two down 35 to nine and get it. So 60 yards in the last three minutes after accumulating 89, the entire rest of the game results in a, a two and three record that was very, very close to being better. It's yeah. So in the span of about 90 seconds, you lost three bets yeah that's brutal that's just yep it's an absolute punch in the nuts man but we've all had weeks like that man i mean you just like say it's not a bad bet just a bad result you know so and i've had i mean i've had these i had one in week one where i with penn state backup Mm -hmm. quarterback takes it in to to go over um what was another one i'd have to look i had another one in week two i've just never had these are I've just never had too. this many like in a week. Yeah, I mean that that's Boise, what I was Boise and say. UCF. I had Boise on the money line and yeah. UCF kicked a field goal as time expired to win. Yeah. That was that's that was my other say. one. They you know, these aren't uncommon bad beats, but when they all happen in the same week, that's like fuck, man. But it's yeah, you know, we've we've had worse beats before on an individual basis. Like the what was that the the game two years ago where I bet on it was like Stanford Northwestern and I was on I think Northwestern plus the points and they were up by like three points with the ball and with 30 seconds to go and they fumble and Stanford scoops it and scores and beats me. I mean, it just, I was like, oh God, I can't believe this. Like, So we've had worse individual beats, but to take three in the same week, that's a total ass kicking. So I yeah. feel for you. <sighs> on, on the, the other week, hand, I guess. Yeah. On the other hand, my bets were just poor bets. They were bad. Not all. Well, they were pretty bad. You can just say they were bad. You got bad results. Um, I didn't hate the Tennessee bet. I thought that was a pretty good number. I thought it was it should have been right at seven. I said I would have been tempted to take Florida if it if it got up to seven and a half. Yeah, so would I. I mean, so uh, would I. But anything under a touchdown, I was like, eh, I'll take Tennessee. But yeah, something I should have considered is that Tennessee hasn't won in Gainesville since like two thousand and two. Yeah. So 
probably should have taken that more into consideration. I knew that, but I just, man, I see, I knew that, but I didn't think it should matter. Well, I just didn't think, you know, we've, we've had so many situations this year and towards the end of last year where we've bet against, you know, trends and they've worked for us, you know, like you, we bet against, uh, like for instance, Kentucky going into Florida and getting a win. Like we were like, I don't think Florida is what they used to be. And Kentucky goes in and they get a win and we win the bet. And we're like, yeah, these trends, they're dying. But that one in particular seems to have stuck. And uh, I know you didn't watch this game because you were on some others, but man, uh, it was a pretty thorough ass kicking by Florida. Uh, Tennessee just could not get it going offensively. They looked like a shell of themselves. Florida just absolutely dominated them on the ground. It was yikes. I mean, it, uh, ETN went for a buck 72 and a score. It was just, oh, man, they were, you know, they didn't like, Graham Mertz didn't light the world on fire, but he didn't have to. He was efficient, 19 to 24 for a buck 66. So, you know, after Tennessee went up seven nothing, it was all Florida after that, basically. And Milton, he was just, he was okay. And Tennessee was just okay running the ball. But man, like I say, total yardage, Tennessee outgained them. But they just could not stop Florida in the second quarter. They scored 20 unanswered in the second quarter. And that was all she wrote, man. The, the, you know, Tennessee, they just never could catch up, never could get any traction in the second half. And what are you going to do, man? I don't, I still don't hate the bet, but Joe Milton, I'm starting to wonder. I Maybe Alex Golosh going away is more of a factor than we thought. I don't really know what to think about Tennessee after seeing that. Yeah, tough to tell. I mean, we'll, we'll know more kind of as the season goes, I'm sure. Yeah, and we'll touch on them a little bit in the power ratings later in the show because we will update our power ratings and, uh, you know, talk about a little bit about that. How deep did you go on your power ratings? How far did you go? Um, I just did a top 10 because I think last time we talked about it, that's what we said we're going to do. And then I okay. I, All right. I, I identified my, my next two out. Okay, yeah, I did a top 15. So, yeah, that's about right. So Okay, so uh, after Tennessee, Florida, what else did I miss on? Uh, you had Florida State minus 26 and a half. Oh, God. Yeah, that game. Yeah, nice yeah, that job. Was, that was pretty uninspiring. Yeah, Florida State sleepwalking through that game. Boston College damn near beat them. I mean, it yeah. had, a, had a. That's my water the grass alarm. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Uh, amateur hour over here. Yeah, Got a cell phone much. on loud. But, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, again, uninspiring from Florida State. Not good. They uh, 27 and a half is a big line, but, I mean, Boston College sucks. I mean, good for Jeff Halfley. Kept his job for another week, I think. So, we'll see. Yeah, I'm playing that kind of game against a team like that should get him a little goodwill, even though he lost to Notre, uh, not Notre Dame, Northern Illinois yeah. in week one and squeaked one out against Holy Cross in week two. I mean, the line was what it was for a reason. They have looked terrible all year. So, I mean, that I don't, I don't know what to take away more from that game, whether Florida state sleptwalked through it, which is very possible. Or if they're just not as good as we thought they were, or if they were just playing the LSU game, like it was the super bowl. There's so many question marks that I have now after watching them like be in a dog fight with a team like Boston College who squeaked out a win over Holy Cross. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like yeah. it's just I, I don't know what to make of Florida State. I, I mean I don't I don't I look at that and I'm like I can't confidently bet on them at all. You know that who knows what the hell they're gonna do. Yeah, I mean I, it was a weird game. Um I think they're like some of these other teams that I picked that, you know, and I thought about taking Boston college for the same reason I thought about taking, you know, Georgia tech and central Michigan and all those was, was the same exact reason, right? Cause they got Clemson this week. Yeah. And I think that is a big part of it, but they, they still didn't look good. So they're, I think they're going to need to show people something this weekend. 
Well, we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen. Who else? What else? What else? Oh, well, what else did we, what else did I miss on? Oh, um, I thought you had them up. I'm sorry. Uh, you no, missed I, on Memphis. Yeah, no, I don't have my picks up. Yeah. You had Memphis minus 14 and a half against Navy. That was a miss. They yeah. went 28 to 24. Navy actually had a chance to win the game at the end. And on uh, fourth down, Navy is still new to passing the ball. So fourth down, they had two receivers on the right side. Both ran routes short of the sticks. So they got they got stuffed. Um I didn't watch yeah. it. That's just I saw the the highlight and I kind of chuckled to myself. I was like, well, you know, fourth and nine. Uh might want to have somebody beyond the nine yard mark. Just yeah. to, just a note there, Navy. But so uh, yeah. Those are those I are didn't. all your misses. Oh, and Georgia, like we talked about. They're minus twenty seven and a half. They they really did not look good in the first half. Looked much better in the second. Yeah. Uh, especially I've, defensively. Yeah. South Carolina was all over them in the first half. Spencer Rattler played very well, I mm-hmm. thought, for the majority of the game, to be honest. Uh, I think they just got out-athleted and outclassed in the second half. And you're not going to stop Brock Bowers and company. You're mm-hmm. just <laughs> holding them down for four quarters is difficult for anybody to do, especially somebody like South Carolina. No offense, Gamecock fans, but Georgia is the cream of the crop. And, you know, South Carolina is sort of a middle tier. So, yeah, oh, I, I, th- I mean, I thought Doctor Thunder was. I think he's played well every game this year. Yeah. Really, I'm considering yeah. uh, they don't have a very effective running game, and no. they don't look like they're very good up front. So, kind of considering uh, he's been under duress a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. I watched. I watched the second half of that game, and he was on a routine basis running, and but he was making some plays with his legs too, which is not something he's demonstrated ha- that he has in the the old repertoire. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, given the circumstances, I thought he played well. Yeah, I would agree. And then what two did I hit on? The only two good bets of the week that I made. You hit on Maryland and UVA over 49 and a half. Oh, yeah. That one went exactly like I thought it was going to go because Maryland yeah. scored 40. And I said, if Virginia can score 13 or more, yeah. it's over. And they scored 14. Yeah, I think so. you said something like if Virginia can get um, – can get a second touchdown, this will go over. And they did. They lost 42 to 14. So pretty, yep. you know, fairly comfortable margin there, six and a half points. Um, yep. James Madison, you had them on the money line, plus 130 against they Troy. Just, they and just keep doing it, they man. Do. They do. Keep they winning. just keep doing it. Everybody keeps betting against them, and everybody yep. keeps just, you know, fading them. But I don't know, man. They win 16 to 14. And your honorable mention pick that you probably regret not taking. Once again, third week in a row where I (laughs) take an honorable mention. Yeah. Liberty minus three and a half. They win by cover years, Jason. They win by 28. So 55 to 27. So two and four. Yeah. I didn't take Liberty. I took death. Stupid. So stupid, idiotic move. I I knew, I knew because I watched. I've watched all their highlights. I've watched them play. They've got some good freaking players, and I was like Buffalo. I mean, they've got some decent athletes, but I feel like Liberty should beat them comfortably, man. But I was like, can I just keep going back to that? Well, I don't want to just keep going back to it. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I should have went back to it. But even if I had, that's a reason. It's a well. Yeah, even if I had, I still would have only like broke even on the week, you know, because right. I would have had to pay the juice on the four losses. Right. And yeah. And then get my, some back on that money line. Right. Yeah. And I, I would have made a little bit up on the money line. So, best case, I break even for the week if I bet Liberty. So, yeah. It is what it is. What are you going to do? So, overall, that makes me, let's see. I was seven and six coming into this week. So now I'm nine, nine and, and 10. Nine and 10. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah, I'm six and nine, and it's <laughs> it's infuriating because I could have easily, I could easily <laughs> be eleven and four. Um, yeah, Wor- worst case, you should be flip flopped. You should be nine and six. Right, and that's the frustrating part is I haven't gotten any, any lucky, you know, any good beats. The my no. beats have all been bad. Yeah, yeah, it's all been backdoor beats. So yeah, I don't know, but. Uh, 
Could be worse, man, but uh, looking forward, it's going to be a much more compelling and interesting week in college football in week four. So before we uh, get towards week four here, let's discuss the uh, proverbial elephant in the room, which is Mel Tucker yep. being let being let go from Michigan State after an investigation reveals conduct unbecoming. Yeah, kind of. So he, he's been notified in writing that they mm-hmm. intend to terminate his contract for cause. Right. Um, he's got seven days to basically appeal it. Um, which he will. Which I'm sure he will. Uh, but they intend to, you know, effective on the 26th, right? We're recording this on the 18th, Monday the 18th. Um, so Tuesday the 26th, they intend to, terminate his contract for cause what happens in between now and then who knows my guess if, if i had to bet they'll probably come to some sort of partial buyout settlement and just be done yeah be like yeah. hey you know what we'll we'll give you we'll give you 25 million to just go away and drop all you know appeal lawsuit and and then we'll just forget you ever existed um, yeah yeah which and and i'm just making up a number right because they owe him something in the range of 80 yeah, they, they signed contract. him to that, what, $96 million uh, contract over eight seasons, I believe. And he's still owed, you know, seven yeah, years I don't know of if that was, deal. If it was eight or 10. Um, he's still owed several years of that contract. He is because um, he's he's one year into it. Um, yeah. Or yeah. In, in his second season under that contract. So Correct. I'm sure it. It's north of 70. I, I promise you that. How yeah. much further? I, I don't know. But I think they'll give him kind of like the, the Raiders did with John Gruden. Be like, you know what? Uh, we could drag this out and, you know, embarrass you with all the reasons we think we should be able to fire you for cause. Or you could just take this, like, realistically, what can you do with $70 million that you can't do with $25 million? Like, yeah. not much. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm sure he'll get a gig coaching somewhere. You know, yeah, he probably will. Um, I mean, there's can, there's tons of programs the, that would that don't care about personnel issues. He'll get, I mean, it'll be somebody. Somebody will hire that guy as an analyst. I mean, shit, it could be Alabama. Who fucking knows? They you that yeah. he was on Alabama staff before. I'm sure they would welcome him as an analyst on the defensive staff. You know, I mean, there's yeah, to the old rehab tour and. Yeah, I mean he'll he'll get a freaking rehab stint with somebody, and he'll be back as a DC in a couple of years. I mean, this ultimately, it's not that bad. If what they say happened actually happened, we've seen way fucking worse than that. We have, and, I, like, I don't think it, it is on the like, scale of some other stuff we've seen with guys who've gotten second chances. Like, no. I would argue. Like Hugh Freeze, for instance. Freeze stuff is pretty close. Um, there's several. I mean, there's yeah. several. There's several situations out there. I mean, Auburn has another one. Uh, Bruce Pearl, for instance. There's lots and lots of coaches who have made worse mistakes than this and have gone on to become head coaches somewhere else and be successful. So. Yeah. And I don't know that he ever will be a successful head coach, but he's been a successful position coach and D coordinator. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I I got no ill will towards the guy. He made some mistakes. If what they say is true, he made some mistakes. Move on. Take your buyout, partial buyout, or no buyout and sue him, whatever ends up happening. And go on about your business. Like you say, I, I think he'll get another job somewhere. But question I want to ask you. Hmm. How good of a job is Michigan State, and what level of candidate do you target at this point? Uh, like it's a it's a very good job. It's not like top tier job, like a that, well, even in just the Big Ten, would you rank it? Obviously, I don't think we would rank it above the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, right? You're not going to rank it above any no, of those. But it's solidly in that second tier between those top three. I, I think it's in there. With like Wisconsin, I think is a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nebraska can be a very good job because you get as much support as anywhere else in the country. Um, Iowa is Iowa I, as good a job or better? 
as Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're. I'll tell you what. They're patient. I'll give them that much. Um, <laughs> that no, I. I think with Michigan State, I think you. I think any Big Ten job is a good job because of the money they get from the TV deal that affects the resources. Yeah, some are more good than others. Like it's it's better than Indiana, Northwestern. Is it a better uh, job than Maryland? I think it's probably a little bit better than Maryland maybe I would I would think so based on the recruiting ground based on the all, a lot of factors but I mean and Michigan State is still somewhat of a national brand maybe not just football but the other sports as well yeah their basketball um, is a very good program so you know it's so uh, I, I think it is a, an attractive position they're going to be able to get quality candidates so I don't think they're stuck having to you know, unearth the next, you know, Chris Kleiman or Lance Leipold. I think they can go get a, a hot shot coordinator or maybe even po- like, like Narduzzi. Yeah. I mean, Narduzzi was there as the DC with Mark D'Antonio forever, uh, like yeah. seven or eight seasons. I Do you think if they a- called and said, Hey, you want to come back? Do you think he wouldn't consider it and leave Pitt for Michigan? I bet he would. Yeah, I mean the resources are going to be better at Michigan State. The matchups you play are going to be better. Like it's just a more attractive. And let's be honest, uh, East Lansing is no less freezing ass cold than Pittsburgh. You know, no. I mean it's Pittsburgh's freezing ass cold. You know, four month, four or five months a year too. So I don't. Uh, I I think like you say, I think they'll be able to poach a decent coach from a lower level program or. Get a hotshot coordinator, like you say. Like, yeah, I don't think it's like Stanford where they have to find an I, FCS guy or what you know I, I mean. What I kind of, what I kind of hope is that you know Michigan State's been playing this like sort of bully ball brand for a long ass time under yeah. D'Antonio, and then even you know the first year under Tucker where they're running it down people's throats with Kenneth Walker. I would like to see them go and just get somebody who knows how to play offense. And like a Kalen DeBoer, for instance, maybe not a guy that's that good. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to out your fanhood there. I know you're a Kalen DeBoer fan. I, I am. But, you know, I mean, I, I bet you they call his OC, Ryan Grubb. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, go and get somebody who knows how to run that system and get a quarterback in there who can fucking sling it and who's an athlete. Yeah. I would like to see that because we don't really have that. I mean, Maryland, you could argue, but when's the last time Maryland had a running game? Fucking never. They don't. Yeah. And so you have no teams over there in that side of the Big Ten outside of Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State that have prolific offenses that can either grind you into dust or sling it all over the field on you. I would just like to see Michigan State go and get an offensive guy. And, I mean, it, fine. You want to get a defensive guy, great, but make sure he actually improves the defense and doesn't give up 700 fucking yards. Head coach or no head coach, if you have a defensive-minded program, you should not be giving up 700 yards to anyone. Yeah, if a a coach with Mel Tucker's background is your head coach, your defense should not be as atrocious as it has been the last two years. No. This isn't even like this game against Wad. They threw it all over those guys last year, too. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, their their pass defense has been ranked like 131st and 128th the last two years. It's been terrible. So if you're going to go get a defensive guy, make sure that your defense actually improves. You know, something. I don't know. I, I just think they, they got to make a move. They got to bring in somebody. But I think it's a decent job. I, I don't think it's a no, great job. It is. I, I just decent. wonder how much of it is they're going to be trying to figure out like, okay, is this guy, because we talked about, you know, their history with this type of behavior from people in positions of authority, right. At Michigan state specifically. And I wonder how much of it's going to be like, Hey, are we confident that this dude is not going to embarrass us? Yeah. Like if he goes out and wins nine and 10 games every year, but we end up looking like assholes, you know, in five years, because he made the paper, like, is that worth it? Or would we rather get a more of a, a character guy to rebar, rebuild our reputation that way, even if he is a seven, eight, nine win type of coach? So be yeah, interested. Say what I, a, a guy that like the type of dude that I'd be looking for. I mean, if we're going to play trash defense, fine, but shit, let's at least be able to light up the scoreboard. 
go get Wake Forest's head coach. You don't think he would consider an offer from fucking Michigan State, yeah. a Big Ten program? He would. You know, go, fuck, I mean, make the move. Go get Jamie Chadwell. He would accept a job like that. I mean, he's, you know, just, I don't know. I I like Michigan State's brand. I like the the way that they play. But, man, they've just been so bad and so down for the last couple of seasons since Kenneth Walker left. And I hate to see it because you're at a three-team race in the Big Ten now. And I wish I miss having that fourth team. I mean, this team is a couple of years removed from being in a major bowl. Yeah. So winning 11 games. So yeah, winning the major bowl. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I hate it. What it is, what it is. I hate it for Michigan state fans, but I also don't hate it that bad for them because they were going to be bad anyway. I don't think Mel so, Tucker being there could stop Washington personally. No, it would have been probably a similar result. Um, kind of feel like they'll they'll be better off in the long run because I don't know that it was ever going to get much better with Mel Tucker still around. Maybe not. I mean, that that's another thing. If you're paying all that money, which, like I say, I don't think that the university necessarily was forking out that money. I think most of that probably came from their two largest boosters. That's what the you know the rumor mill that was going around right. was that they, they had a couple of big boosters that forked up the money for Mel Tucker's contract. And if that's the case, you got to wonder if they're going to be willing to do that again and what kind of candidate they can afford to bring in if they don't have so much support. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it, the whole thing's kind of funny because he got that contract in large part because they didn't want him getting poached by LSU. Like yeah. They were worried that he was going to get snagged by LSU or Florida. Yeah. And, you got to think. Yeah. You got to think LSU feels like they dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Getting Brian Kelly. So I don't know, but uh, we'll see. I, I don't know where they turn from here. I think they're going to be trash the rest of the year. I just, I mean, you never know how a team's going to respond after losing their coach, especially if it turns into a big, long, drawn-out like negotiation process that's just going to get uglier and uglier. So hopefully for the sake of the players and the fans, they just come to an agreement and move on and let's look on to the next chapter and start looking for a candidate, you know? So we'll see what happens there. But before we close out the show, let's run through it real quick. We're going to update our power ratings. And for the listener, uh, this is, we do these based, this is not a ranking. This is not where we rank these teams. Okay. Based on their achievements so far or underachievements. This is in a vacuum with a week to prepare on a neutral field. Who would we favor in the game? Okay. Who would we favor against each other? So that's how we do these. And Eric, I'm going to let you run through yours first here. Give me your top uh, 10 and then we'll, I'll do my top 10 and we will discuss our honorable mentions after. Okay. So I'll just go in descending order here. Uh, one, I, and disclaimer, mine have not changed much from the preseason. Uh, I think we're still in the learning stage on a lot of these teams. And I'm trying hard to not overreact from, well, this team lost to that team. This team lost to that. Um, and, and I haven't, with a few exceptions, I haven't seen enough to make me think that a, a team needs to be you know dropped entirely or dropped a number of spots or has made that much progress. But one is Georgia, two is Michigan. Um, particularly in the case of Michigan, I'm just going to leave them where they're at until they get an actual opponent, which might be a little bit, or if they lose. Um, yeah, it's fair. Number three, three and four were tough to me. Uh, at three, I have Texas just ahead of Florida state because I don't know what to make of that Boston college game. I, I was really underwhelmed uh, by that, but yeah, I don't Texas, know. On a neutral field, you would have to think Texas would probably be favored right now. Yeah, I would. That's kind of what it came down to. It's like, man, after seeing that game, and yeah, Texas started out slow against Wyoming, but they ended up beating them by, I think, four touchdowns. Um, and you're really just kind of comparing um, big wins. So I'll, I'll give Texas a slight edge over Florida State for three. Uh, number five, I have Ohio State, who has looked better offensively since week one. 
Number six, Penn State, who I am still very, very high on uh, between their combination of being able to run the ball effectively. Quarterback quarterback looks every bit as good as I thought he could. Uh, he's he's playing kind of best best case scenario so far, and the defense is excellent. So they're going to be a handful. Number seven, Notre Dame. Uh, we've, we've talked about how we, we both kind of view them this year. I think they're legit. Number eight, Washington. They're not great on defense, but I feel like they can go score on anyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, number nine, Oregon. Did have the close call on the road at Texas Tech, but I just I think they're a very good team, and they may be – part of it is all the, the Colorado hype and all the attention that they're getting, and there's some Pac-12 teams that I think are better than Colorado that are getting like as much attention as Colorado is combined, uh, and Oregon's one of them. Oregon's going to be favored by, I think, three touchdowns last I looked against yeah. Colorado this weekend. Um, yeah. Oregon's really good. And I have those two teams just above my third Pac-12 team in the top 10, which is not a sentence I thought I would ever say a year ago. Uh, that's USC, who, if they could play just a smidge of defense, would probably be inside my top four because that offense is just going to – they're averaging, I think, 58 a game. <laughs> I haven't played anybody, though. I've- no, they haven't, but – even when you get to you know, the conference schedule, even in their losses last year, they scored forty plus. Like that's true. Yeah, I so, think thirty. I think thirty-eight and thirty-nine or something like that. Yeah. So. So I mean, they're just going to put points up. All right. It was. That, that's my ten. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll stop there. Okay. Well, mine is a lot different than yours. I'll go ahead okay. and put it out there now. Uh, uh, now, not no difference at one. Georgia, no reason to take them down. They did struggle a little bit against South Carolina to open, but as we know in the SEC, say what you want. If you're not an SEC person, fine. But playing in the SEC week to week is tough as shit. It's just tough. It, they have the best coaching staffs, pretty much. They have a lot of the best, you know, offensive and defensive line play we've seen some of that fall off but ultimately there's no weeks off in the sec unless you're playing vanderbilt um so i've got georgia one still because they just uh, they're the best there is two i have texas uh i on a neutral field i don't think i mean being honest assuming that michigan is every bit as good as they were last year Based on what I saw from Texas against Alabama, I don't think Michigan could line up and just run it down their throat. I think they would have to throw the ball. And if you get into a passing match with Quinn Ewers, I think they win. So, Well, if you get in a passing match with Quinn Ewers and your quarterback is J.J. McCarthy, yeah, you're going to lose. That's right. So if I just – that's why I've dropped Michigan below Texas here, you know – I just I'm going to give the edge to the team that's actually got a legit first round caliber quarterback, and that's a re- that's another reason why Texas Michigan is not number three for me either. I have Notre Dame at three because I think Notre Dame's skill position talent is every bit as good as just about anybody out there, aside from like Texas, okay, whose skill position talent is just stupid good, yeah. or Georgia, but. If you match up Notre Dame skill position players against the likes of Alabama or Florida State or Michigan or Penn State, they're as good as any of those guys. The only teams with, you know, noticeably better skill position talent than Notre Dame, Texas, and Ohio State. I mean, do we do we agree there? And you could argue Georgia since they have the best player on earth. But um yeah, no one else comes to mind. I think it's close with Florida State, right, with their receivers and the tight yeah. end, who they still yeah. really haven't integrated as much as I would like to see. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it is a close argument. But yeah, you come up with about three teams who you know might have better uh, things around the quarterback than them, yeah. and they have the quarterback, Sam Hartman. He looks really good. They're dominating people. Their offensive and defensive lines are fucking nasty. And so I, 
I've got Notre Dame at three. I think they're uh, really, really fucking good, and I think they would be favored on a neutral field over about 99% of the country, Mm. Um, which they're a a three-and-a-half-point dog at home this week to uh, Ohio State. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday. But uh, that's where I have them ranked. Number four, I have Michigan. That's I've talked about it. The only reason that they're not to is because of the quarterback position. Okay, I just – I think J.J. McCarthy's good, but I don't think he's Quinn Ewers or Sam Hartman good. Uh, and I don't think he has the supporting cast like Georgia has. I've, I have Florida State at five. That uh, I would have had them at three above everybody except Texas and Georgia, but they dropped a couple of spots for me after sleepwalking through a game against Boston College, a game that was close in the fourth quarter. So the game was close until the absolute very end, until there were zeros. Like it was close all the way through. They never really, you know, it's not like Boston College went on some, you know, frantic comeback and got it within no. two, and then so like they they stayed with them. Mm-hmm. And so I have some question marks about the defense uh, after what I saw, but tough to get up for a team like Boston College. Not going to overreact to it. Dropped them a couple of spots in the power ratings. We'll see what happens. Number six, I have Alabama. I think the world has written them off. They think they suck, especially after that performance against USF. But what people don't realize is that Jalen Milrow didn't play a single snap. We all agree that he played well sometimes and bad sometimes against Texas. Sure. He wasn't perfect. Like That's he, the easiest yeah. way to describe it. Yeah, he had a couple of crucial mistakes. But he had people in his face all day. So, and I think they were outmatched. I think Texas is better than Alabama. So that's why I have them above them. But if you match Alabama up with Milrow, they're not going to be playing a team as good as Texas every week. And like it or not, they're not going to be playing a team as good as Texas any week, like for yeah, the rest no. of the schedule. No, probably not. So, unless they win the West. Yeah. And so I would favor on a neutral field, Alabama over just about every team in the country, minus four or five teams like Florida state, Michigan would probably be favored against them on a neutral field right now. Not by much. I mean, you're talking a field goal, maybe less. So I've got Alabama at six. I think Milrow is the, and Saban said today, he's the unquestioned starter. Uh, Oh, did he? Okay. I hadn't seen that. Yeah, he, he did. Uh, they, he didn't play a snap against USF this weekend. And that was basically what I personally think was we know we can beat them with or without Milrow. So here's a whole game for Buckner and Simpson to go and see if they can be the dude. And they were both. They cannot. Remarkably mediocre. So uh, Buckner was ineffective and Simpson had flashes, but he's just not the dude. So Milrow is going to be the quarterback. This week against Ole Miss, I think he gives them the best chance to be explosive. So, based on what I saw against Texas, I think he's got a chance to be successful. We'll see. But, I, you know, they dropped him in the polls down to 13th. They're not in your top 10. So, you've clearly, you know, written them off a little bit. Don't think they've got a chance. So, I mean, I'm not knocking you for it. You may be right. But I – They were my first team out because I I have questions about the quarterback and the O-line. And they're fair questions to be, you know, no doubt. But if you just look at roster talent, they have more than just about anybody minus a couple of teams. So those questions are why they're at six for me and not three or four. You know what I mean? So uh, number seven, I have Washington. The only reason they're not higher is because of their defense. Like you say, they have, uh, they're not great on defense, but I feel like on a neutral field, Washington, versus Ohio State, Penn State, whoever, would be a competitive and compelling game. I think Washington could play with anybody. You know, even if you line them up against Georgia, they're going to score some touchdowns. Yeah. They they may not over. Line up to score. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> over. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, similar to Texas, they have unbelievable skill dudes, but ultimately the defense has got them at seven for me. Number eight, Ohio State. They showed me something this weekend like maybe we've 
maybe we're starting to see something here. Maybe McCord is starting to get it together, starting to get his timing with the receivers down. The running game looks a little better. So we'll see. They might be up at five after or three after this week. If they go into Notre Dame and they thump them and I see something, I'm going to be like, fuck, okay, I was wrong. And Ohio I think State, if they win, if they win, period at Notre Dame, they would need to move up probably for both of us. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, you know, I've got them at eight right now because I'm not super confident that they can beat Notre Dame, uh, especially on the road. But we'll see. Like I said, it was a three and a half point spread, I believe. So, mm-hmm. um, number nine, Penn State. I'm right there with you. I just kind of want to wait and see. They sort of grinded Illinois into dust. Um, it was not a very competitive game for most of the game. They did no. cover. I'm an idiot. I should have taken that. And then number 10, this one's kind of an asterisk, but Utah is Cam Rising playing. We don't know, but if he is, they're number 10 for me. They're still the class of the Pac-12. You know, I've got Washington above them because I'm just not sure that Cam Rising is going to be 100% when he plays. But if he was 100%, I would have Utah up there higher. But until I see Cam Rising play and him be healthy, I've got him at 10. And, uh, you know, that is that is what it is. So uh, Georgia, Texas, Notre Dame, Michigan, Florida State, Alabama, Washington, Ohio State, Penn State, Utah. That's my top 10. So who was your first couple out before we close out here? My first team out was Alabama, like I said. Um, I'm not going to ding them for the loss to Texas because I just I think Texas is a really, really good team. But yeah. the like I said, the question marks are with the quarterback position because I didn't know that they had settled on Milrow. Um, I might have had him a couple of spots higher. Not, I wouldn't have had him all the way up at six, though. I will say that um, because I still have questions, particularly coming out of the USF game, about their play up front not being quite as to the level that I would have expected from Alabama. but. I do think that they're going to rack up some wins going forward. I think if they can beat Old Miss this weekend, they have a pretty clear shot to to go ahead and win out. Um, at a twelve, I got Oklahoma. Oh, you sneaking up in there first? They did sneak out. up because and and they really haven't played any great teams either. I think SMU is good, but. Yeah, I mean, they played a, a decent team. I mean, you can't really take much away from their win this weekend other than the fact that they scored 66 points. So they, They've been noticeably better on defense, and they mm-hmm. are. it feels like they're scoring every time they touch the ball. Yeah. Um, and no one is talking about them. Absolutely no, fucking no one. You don't see shit in the news about Oklahoma right now. All you see is Texas and Colorado and... Yeah, Georgia. it really is. They're very like we talked about um Michigan kind of just, you know, doing yep. the night rider maneuver, right? With headlights yeah. off on some backcountry road and Oh yeah. I and, think Oklahoma's right where they want to be too with no And, and one I was going to say this is exactly probably you know, Brent Venables probably couldn't like have drawn it up any better. Like, yeah, let's get let's get to 3 and 0, right? Let's let's hang 50 or 60 points on everyone. Let's be better mm-hmm. defensively and then let's be like totally ignored by national media. Like, oh, yeah. I, think, I think Oklahoma's very good. I can't wait for the Red River game. Oh, I know. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I don't think it'll be a 49 to nothing beatdown like it was last year. No, no, I think it's gonna be drastically different from last season. Um yeah. 13, I have LSU, who I still think is a very good team. Uh they mm. melted Mississippi State the oh, other day. God, that was a beatdown, um, man. Blowout city. That's the that's the best Jaden Daniels has looked. I think yeah. maybe since he got there. Typical LSU, State, man. They get their ass, they get their ass handed great. to him. And then yeah. They, they and find I'm, a way, I'm starting man. to wonder if that <laughs> if that week one game with Florida State is maybe they didn't. You know, you think maybe, well, I think maybe screen. believing too much of their own press going into the season where everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. top three team, um, national title contender. I, I mean, I, there's absolutely still a chance they could get to 10 wins. There's no question yeah. that they could still get there. I mean, their over under was nine and a half. I picked them to win nine games, but 
they could definitely still win 10 games. I mean, they're, they're a good fucking football team. They have athletes everywhere. So yeah. And Perkins has been playing less coverage and rushing the quarterback more and playing more on the ball, uh, which is weird. Wonder, yeah, wonder crazy why. how that works. Um, <laughs> wonder why. And then, uh, so, so they're 13 for me and they have a definite chance to move up going forward because I, I do think they have a lot of talent and yeah, they look like they have corrected some issues mm-hmm. from that week one loss. So some, right. well, some room for over mobility there, but those are, and I stopped at 13. All right. Well, I'm going to throw a few at you here and these are going to be interesting. So uh, 11, I've, I've got USC. Okay. Largely what you talked about, they can score on anybody, but they don't play any defense. So until they show me some defense, I'm not going to put them in my top 10 power ratings. Cause I don't think they can win a title with that defense. So, uh, 12, 12 was a tough mark for me. I've got Oregon at 12, but if you were going to tell me that you wanted to see Miami at 12, I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure that I would argue with you based on what I saw against Texas A&M, man, they've got some fucking athletes. So Tyler Van Dyke looks amazing. I don't know, man. Neutral field. I think Miami could play with just about anybody right now. You know, at least. Lots of teams. They've gotten so much better up front. I can't yeah. even articulate. Yeah. Like yeah. night and day. So uh, they yeah. they're a team who I could definitely see. Like I personally don't have in my you know top ten or top twelve or whatever. Yeah. Uh, if our if our time traveler buddy showed up and said, yeah. "Hey, you know, you had you had Miami at five in your end of season power ranking," I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, no. So I've got uh, Oregon at 12 and Miami at 13. Okay. And then 14 is basically a three-way tie for me. Okay. 14 is Ole Miss, Oklahoma, and LSU. Oklahoma snuck in there for me because I was going to just cap it with Ole Miss and LSU, but I was like, man, Oklahoma, nobody's talking about them. They're three and oh, they're smoking people, you know, they're kind of right where they want to be. So I'm interested to see, but I think Oklahoma would be favored over just about everyone minus these, you know, handful of teams we have above them on a neutral yeah. field. So can't think of a whole lot of teams they'd be underdogs to outside of what we have listed. And it's arguable that they wouldn't be underdogs to a handful of them. You know, like, are we absolutely certain that? you know, Ole Miss or Utah right now would be favored over Oklahoma on a neutral field? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe by a field goal. Maybe, maybe. less. Maybe. It would be close. I mean, I think I think for the most part, you get to like maybe four or five all the way down to like 12. You're probably not talking more than four or five points anyway. Yeah. And so you take that and you figure it's not going to be on a neutral field. Say it's at Oklahoma and you add, say, two and a half, three points for home field advantage or one and a half, whatever, you're almost at even money at that point. So I, I thought I thought it's fair to throw Oklahoma in there. I, I didn't put them at 12. I think Oregon may be still a little bit better than them, but we're going to find out a lot about Oregon this weekend. So hopefully they stomp Colorado into the mud and we can stop hearing about it because God, it's just a constant media love fest. Yeah, it – Predictably, like it's it's becoming yeah, much. It's, it is predictable, but I, I don't understand the media love fest with a team that would probably lose by fifty to Georgia. Like, w- w- what's the point of the media love fest? I'm trying to figure it out. Like, and I, I applaud Dion for bringing awareness, unbelievable amount of awareness. Yeah, to to the program. You know, great fucking job, dude. Like, holy shit, man, coach of the year. At this point, like if you were to vote coach of the year right now, it'd be yeah. Dion. But damn, man, like, do we really believe that they're a great team? No, I, no. no they, they beat two, what I say, teams that I would describe as mediocre. Yeah. And that is TCU and, and Nebraska. One of them they, they beat by three, and then they, they beat Colorado State. We got a win against Colorado State or, in, in overtime. overtime. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, Again, I expected them to be one and two right now before the season. Yeah. You know, and they're three and oh, and they they are better than I expected. They're playing well. Um, but 
boy, we need to pump the brakes on this Pac-12 contender, playoff contender, national title. Like they are, I don't think they are among the five best teams in their conference. Probably not. I think I think USC is better. Washington's better. Utah's better. Both Oregon schools are better. Yeah, well, this week was the first week where they did not cover because they were, what, a huge favorite over 20 Colorado something, State. Yeah, like 22 yeah, or 24. Not even close to covering. So it would seem that, uh, you know, Vegas jumped the gun a little bit. And I would expect, like, it's, I mean, you said 21-point favorites for Oregon right now. So maybe that's an overcorrection. Might want to take Colorado in the points. Don't, don't know, but uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I think that wraps us up for the uh, the recap show. We've gone super long here. Yeah. But, um, uh, is there anything else we need to cover before we go? And we're going to be back Wednesday with the, the bets. No, I'm just hoping that Wednesday's bets go better than last Wednesday's bets. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, last note, shout out to Mizzou's kicker, man. Because every year it seems like a Mizzou kicker does something amazing. and this year it was a dude who didn't he tra- he transferred from what UCF or somewhere I can't remember where he transferred in from. Pretty sure he was at Missouri last year, but he is a transfer from from somewhere prior to that. I don't know where. Yeah, dude boots a sixty one yarder as time expires for the win. Goodbye Kansas State. Huge win for Mizzou. They rushed yep. the field. Great. I mean, it was really exciting game to watch. Very compelling. And uh, the, I did not expect Mizzou to win that game, man. They stuck with it. And kicker man boots a fucking 60-plus yarder. Dude, I don't know if you saw the replay of that I was ball. watching that game live. I watched Dude, the last four minutes of that game live. That ball squeaked in there, man. It was like, it was it one of those. It, it was like, shoom, snuck in. So great. Shout out to that guy. But. Yeah. Speaking real quick, speaking mm-hmm. of rushing the field since yeah. they did that at Missouri, uh, the fans in Colorado rushed the field after that game. And there's a lot of people having opinions on when it is and when it is not appropriate to rush the field. Is that not the silliest argument to try to litigate of, of when you should or should not? Because you get well, knuckleheads like Danny Cannell, like, you know, putting a poll on Twitter, like, should you rush the field if you win a game in double overtime where you were favored by 24 and a half points? Well, you know, A, you're dumb. B, like, who gives a shit? Uh, yeah, it's a dumb argument for sure. Uh, I, I've always been a proponent of, like, act like you've been there before. Sure, but, like, but- I've also, like, I'm reasonable and like, okay, perfect example, like Tennessee beating Alabama last year. First time they'd beat them in fucking 17 years or something. Mm -hmm. Rush the field by all means, carry the fucking field goal post and throw it in the river. Totally fine. No problem. Whatever. Like that's a great fucking program changing win possibly. So great. Rush the field, but beating a team that in double overtime that you were 20 plus point favorites against uh, to me, that's like, well, it is Thank weird, God we got out of here with a win. Yeah, it's also in-state rival, and then yeah, I don't know. It just seems like there's enough going on that people like Danny Cannell don't need to spend their time trying to figure out if it's okay or not. Like, yeah. Well, and I just last- I point him out because he was the most like memorable. He he's far from alone. I'm trying not trying to pick on him, even though I think he's a dipshit. Um, well, last note on the show before I close the sale, we're getting up on an hour here. I just got a last minute text from Timmy Poe oh. out of the blue, out of the blue. And, uh, we do finally, we've got a, uh, a award winner for, uh, TP for TP's butthurt cream. So, uh, if you'd like to soothe your South end zone after a weekend of bad bets or your team, just getting their shit absolutely pushed in, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you need to soothe that area. Then get yourself some TP's butthurt cream. And this week you can use the promo code Hawkeyes because uh, Timmy would like to nominate Brian Ference for the, the Super Butthurt Man Award. And uh, he's getting some TP's butthurt cream sent his way since he, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but the clip uh, of... <laughs> sideline meltdown. 
Yeah, him telling everybody to get off their stepladder and climb out of his ass because he just scored 41 points. <laughs> so I think that's actually like an AI fake. Like, I don't think he actually said that in a press conference. I, don't I, thought, either. I thought Timmy was talking about the meltdown he had on the sidelines right before halftime. I think Cade McNamara maybe yeah. threw a pick near the end zone and he just went bananas. Um, <laughs> yes. like he's chucking so. his headset and I, I lip read like seven F bombs in probably 12 seconds. Um, <laughs> yeah, he went, he was, was super butthurt. Yeah. So uh, the, this week, the uh, super butthurt cream, the TP's butthurt cream is getting sent to Iowa and uh, you can use the promo code Hawkins uh, there, Coach Ferentz, to get a two for one special. So, Ah, good stuff. You might need it by the end of the year. Indeed. So, uh, in the interim, we'll be back on Wednesday night to uh, get into the bets and uh, go over this massive week four slate that we've got on the docket. And uh, in between now and then, you guys can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. Well, social media in general at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Bailey forty seven. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair. And we will be back with you Wednesday night. And until then, thank you very much. Have a great day.